So, we like anime. It's a medium with some of the most incredible stories ever told, it's incredibly versatile, and it can bring surreal imagery that is only possible with animation. However, it is also known that Western audiences broadly do not like anime. This has to do with a combination of the belief that animation is for kids and the fact that American English speakers just cannot wrap their minds around other cultures or subtitles. So, of course, to try and rectify this, and because of money, Hollywood has invented the anime live-action adaptation. And it's, um, well, it's never gone well. So today we are here to ask the question, is it possible to make a good live-action anime adaptation? And do we even need it? This is The Return of the Movie. Hello and welcome, everyone, back to The Return of the Movie. We are in Season 2, and with me today, uh, why don't we all just introduce ourselves? Sure. At the same time? Sure. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I'm Ben. Ben. (laughs) I'm Jose. Yeah. I'm Abraham. Yeah, you got it. As most people here know, we're we're big fans of Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. We do a lot of it. Jose has mostly just been consuming it via editing for us. Uh, thank you, Jose. I try. Um, it's in the mail, right? Yep. Yeah. It's, uh, in the mail. Yep. He's been working with us for four years. It's not in the mail. So today as an exercise, we're going to be taking Attack on Titan, and we're going to be kind of coming up with our own sort of version of what would a hypothetical live action look like. And also, would it even be good? Is this even feasible? Because this is kind of the big question is, why do we keep making live action anime adaptations? Do not try to say that five times. It's because because we don't respect animation as an art form. Or it's because Hollywood just has too much money to burn. That honestly, both. both. Um, we, I think, you kind of hit the nail on the head, Abe. Uh, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. Like even at the recent Oscars, wasn't it like one of them being like, "Yeah, animation is for kids. It's for yeah. children." And literally, like one of them was like about a refugee's like struggle coming to another country. Like it was the most like mature thing. Ever. Yeah, and they were like cartoon babies. The thing is, is like we've seen versions of like animations that have been readapted into live action and. All- that is also its own bag of worms when we're taking a look at animation as a whole. But anime itself, the idea of taking it what is a culturally different medium and bringing it to Western audiences or even just away from the drawing board and onto a film camera is its own nightmare. It's also just, it's not even, I wouldn't even say anime because it's also just cartoons. I mean, we're going to talk about Avatar later, but you know, it, because episodic, you know, it's episodic format, they have more chances to flesh out stories and character arcs. And when you try to fit that into an hour and a half, two hour movie, uh, it, yeah. it, it always like feels a little hollow because it's like you have to not only understand these characters, get emotionally attached to them, but also like feel for them at the end of the two hour thing and get ready for a sequel where... They uh, that, which has historically almost never happened. Yeah. Like, if, unless you're very lucky. I can't remember. Uh, we all remember Avatar. Avatar was like, yeah, we're going to have a sequel. Yeah. Here's Fire like Lord said, Ozai. You ask if they're lucky. If they're lucky. If they're, they're lucky. lucky. They're not lucky. I guess starting into this, um, if we are going down this hypothetical train wreck of making another live action adaptation and we're going to take something that we love, Attack on Titan, hmm. what do we actually think would work about this? Man, really just drawing a blank. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. Um, so I will say I put myself through the chore of watching the 2015 adaptation. You did that. Um, 
barely. Yeah, okay. I barely made it through. <laughs> um, and there's there are some. I I have some nice things to say. Mm-hmm. The Titans were scary. Okay. And I think one of the things that actually kind of works for if you are going to take anime into a live action format is when you lean into realism instead of surrealism, which is historically the problem with adapting animation. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that works really well, and uh, there's this kind of a problem within the world of uh, specifically horror anime that this kind of bridges the gap. Horror anime is notoriously not scary um, to the point where even the Titans that attack on Titan, like they're a little unsettling, but they're not horror. I I don't know if I would agree with that. Really? I, I feel like you're saying Attack on Titan the anime isn't horror or effective because you're desensitized to it. No. So historically, when you are adapting horror into anime, you have to go with this much more lo-fi work. There's a series on Crunchyroll that's just called Theater of Darkness, where they have a really big budget, but they actively do not animate it fluidly in order to maintain the effect that happens in manga, where your mind fills in the details and actually allows horror to become horror. I guess that's true. I guess I I, I think I'm, I was confusing like, the titans aren't scary with horror anime which I, I i would agree with that i guess yeah attack on titan isn't necessarily horror yeah it, it doesn't fit like the horror moments in attack on titan like you can unless you are like a very squeamish for person you'll be like oh that's just ugly and i don't like their faces but yeah. that's kind of the extent of it mm-hmm. um meanwhile in a manga in the manga format it comes off as they're just less detailed they're just kind of like they're yeah, yeah, and your mind fill and your mind fills in those gaps. Okay. Um, meanwhile, there's one sequence in the Attack on Titan movie, at least the first one, that is legitimately very scary, where they hear a baby from off in the distance, and then they go investigate, and you find out that the baby isn't a baby; it's a baby-shaped Titan that mm. is also crying out. And when they find this baby Titan, they're like in this old industrial warehouse on like the second level of these concrete slabs and it's just giant frightening baby with this like opalescent skin and it is very effective okay um so i will say like when i'm watching live action animation adaptations they do a better job at horror and they do a lot better of a job at pieces that deal with realism like cowboy bebop and actually death note yeah, I mean, I feel like horror is a is a very easy thing to capture, especially when they're trying to do it in their own way. Than the, I guess, the more stylist, you know, yeah, stylistic choices that like Cowboy Bebop has, you know, like Cowboy Bebop is, it's fast and it's like it has like swinging camera movement sometimes, like it follows the action. Whereas in the live action one, it's just Dutch angles and. So I guess the question is, if we are taking attack on titan and we're making it live action what do we want to bring in what do we want to emphasize first stylistically speaking because the one thing that i would definitely keep from the original movie from 2015 mm-hmm. would be those elements of using the titans as a form of almost kaiju horror mm-hmm. and also kind of like leaning into a little bit more of the actual sort of bloody gory scenes mm-hmm. i think if you wanted to it would probably be so like give it a lot of more focus on like the pedestrian like level. Yeah. So cause like like you said kaiju. So like if like you're looking up, you see a massive twenty foot yeah. human like thing that eats people, like that that alone is scary. And like 
I think if you can lead up to it, like if when Aaron um, comes up to get the gear and like he's like uh, passing yeah. his uh, the training thing and like you know they all have the gear and ready to ready to go up go after them. I feel like if if you can build that up really well, it'll probably succeed. So with focusing on the interpersonal drama that actually existed within season one, yeah. Um, but in a movie, like honestly, if there wasn't a death until like twenty minutes in, and it's all just like Aaron. Like, maybe, like, you learn about, like, his mom dying in, like, a flashback. Which brings up another point, then. I'm going to jump the gun a little bit, and we should talk a little bit about pacing. Mm-hmm. Um, what element, like, what arc should be adapted? How do we want to structure this? Is this a, like, is this a multi-movie thing? Is this all-in-one movie, and we try to cram in as much story as possible? I think... I think with Attack on Titan, a lot to fill in for one movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I think for a first movie, the best I think it could, it could lead up to is not necessarily the exact end of uh, season one, but um, um, him realizing that he can he can become a Titan or like a cliffhanger of um, either him in the trial or like the, what's his name, the general, like getting, attacking him and Mikasa and Armin. Oh, like after Eren yeah, right transforms, after transforms and he comes back. Yeah. So that would be a spot that you could do. Um, and I think like if it were an hour and a half uh, length movie, that would definitely work. Yeah. Yeah. So the other question is if we wanted to give it. So if it's an hour and a half movie, that's a good model. Now, what if we wanted to do it like we do the stupid thing? We do the three hour movie. Attack on Titan is so multi-layered, so multifaceted with tens dozens of characters each with their own motivations there's a mystery at the center of it all there's a magic system that you're discovering also there's the whole government like there's so much going on where even if you ended with either the Aaron is a titan or uh, Reiner Berchold or female titan yeah. reveal it, you know where would the next movie go and then where would the next like it kind exactly. of it's leading you to okay but no matter what we're kind of putting ourselves in a situation where we have to make almost the same amount of movies as there are seasons in order to even fully tell this story and give it any sort of justice i mean i'm sure a talented screenwriter could consolidate a lot of this because you know you just make the characters closer so that the betrayal hits harder yes you know like that there are ways to make the moments happen in a shorter amount of time while not making it feel rushed. But I mean, I don't know if those talented screenwriters would be, would be employed. Okay. Solution for that. You hire better talent or, or you, you choose a property. You have to choose a property that lends itself to an adaptation. That is true. Cause I don't know if, even though like we're trying, we're, we're taking, we're Attack, taking on Titan. Attack on Titan as an example, but not yeah. because it's a good one, but mm-hmm. because it's one that we are all very familiar with. Right. Um, that being said, if you take so, what kind of property do you think would actually better lend itself to adaptation? Well, I mean, there are there are good live action animes. The I think the JoJo's movie, which I have not seen fully, but like I've yeah. heard nothing but good things, and I've seen clips. But um, Death Note, even though it's flawed as hell structurally, I think it's a good movie. I think with different script and like with different like dialogue and with different personalities like acting as the people i think it would have done infinitely better um alita battle angel is another one where i'm like yeah that's it's not terrible it's just it's pacing is a little rough yeah um, okay it can be done it's just you can't <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't know maybe that's what there <laughs> there's a reason why there hasn't been a perfect one 
that so okay we're landing on point here Mm -hmm. probably not any good examples of how or what to do that or what to do this with then Mm -hmm. um i would argue that cowboy bebop was a great example of what could have been adapted and in its own right if you are not looking at it as an adaptation it is like a passable piece of media yeah. However, the second you start looking at it as an adaptation, then like things start getting very, very weird. Yeah. With that one, it, honestly, it's just boring. I was like, I just kind of like found myself being like, I could cut. I could. I could leave half this episode. Yeah. And it'd be good. That's the thing is like that's not necessarily a problem with the property itself. That's a problem with the actual filmmaking and direction. So I would agree with you then. Um, and that's kind of because I came to a kind of a realization as I was watching the show. And it's that the reason why animation scenes are the way that they are is because they're limited in the ways that they can convey messages. They are limited by their, the animation and the voice acting. And obviously like the other things that like supplement it, like, you know, um, VFX, VFX or music shot composition, but like, that's all tangential to animation. Yeah. And, when animation tries to emulate cinema, you know, that's considered like the the goal. Whereas when producers of live action anime try to emulate anime, they fail to realize that it just does not work the same way. The inverse, you know, when anime tries to emulate cinema, it's wonderful. When cinema tries to emulate anime, it's all it's over exaggerated and they don't really take the time to understand what about the medium works. Yes. You know? Going off that, then, it, so now we're ending up in the problem that is um, the strengths and weaknesses of the actual medium. Because, mm-hmm. again, as I as I opened, like if you were to take anything from Attack on Titan and really embrace it, it would be the it would be the realism and not the surreal. Mm-hmm. Where animation is naturally it falls into the surreal, and we don't really have a ton of like the way that we make the surreal happen in film is extremely different we try to make the surreal happen by situation mm-hmm. and by practice and by practicality um meanwhile if we're trying to take that to if we're trying to emulate animation we end up with a situation like cowboy bebop's ed which um you you have seen that clip right yeah okay have you seen that as i no i don't even know who that is i'm just gonna- okay we're just gonna pull that up fight all right, I'm done. Stop that. <laughs> yeah. We have now remedied this. What is your opinion? This is like the typical character that almost one's expect. And like that one character in like every anime. Every anime. It, it's like Mei Hatsume and My Hero. And, but it's uh, but in live action when somebody's like, look at me, I'm in an yeah, anime. The, the over exaggeration of everything is. And that's, that's one of the main things that cannot. Yeah, and that's translate. one of the. That's one of these elements, and Cowboy Bebop is extremely guilty of this, is when it tries to be the anime. Yeah. That's like, if you try making Yu-Gi-Oh! live action. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's talk about cursed property. Honestly, though, I kind of would be down if, like, in a Yu-Gi-Oh! movie, like, the voice came over and he's like, I'm Yugi Moto, and I put my con. <laughs> like, if they talked in that verbose, like, Okay, well, so like, also would... imagine the the car drawing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like yeah. that kind of leads into the next thing. So if we're talking about the problems with it, yeah, then we're also kind of like, could this be exemplified if you were to be like, okay, we're making this? I think JoJo actually does this, 
where it overhams it up so much yeah. that it becomes stylistic. And I'm think and right here I'm talking about if you go series of unfortunate events level, would you eventually recross that I'm going to like sort of like ooh woo uh the ooh woo valley as I'm going to call yeah. it on this. Go just finish your sentence. <laughs> just move past it. If you were to move past ooh woo valley, would you eventually reach a point where it became actually entertaining and felt actually, intentional. Actually, I don't think it has anything to do with the exaggeration necessarily. I think it has to do with the ex- what parts are exaggerated. Because in Cowboy Bebop, everything is exaggerated. Yeah. The costuming is crazy. The special effects are crazy. The character designs, the way that they speak, their movements, everything is like at a 10. Yeah. In JoJo's, the acting and the costume are at a ten. The environments are like they, it looks like it looks like the most mundane shit ever, which makes which makes for an enjoyable experience. So that so we're contrasting then yeah, in that you environment. To, you have to know when to pull back, and because yeah. you can't just you can't be at an eleven at all points on all cylinders. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't work. It's too much. It really depends with like the series that's trying to be adapted because JoJo, of course, is one notoriously famous for all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's also true. So question in this kind of thing, we have a character like this. We have Sasha. Mm -hmm. Is that character cut? I want to argue no, but I can't give a good reason why. I mean, if we're just if we're not counting like the stuff that happens like later on, yes. If we're just talking about like how she's presented early on and like her like I'm potato girl, I like potatoes, and that's my character. Yes. Yeah, I think it's necessary to cut. So perhaps character might still exist to some level, but we completely nix characterization. It's probably just going to be like one of those like cameo characters, really. We like, like not even like mm-hmm. named out, just like yeah. Pass by. Pass by. Pass by. You might get a drop, a name drop at some point just to be like, yeah, that actress is playing Sasha. Because in the show, there's like, she goes literally feral for yeah. food. Like her eyes like light up red. She like fucking sprints across a room just to eat like a loaf of bread. Like that kind of thing works for anime. But I don't know. In live action, it's terrifying. And who's this feral human? Honestly, there are, I, I'm sure there are ways to do it where it's not. If we're like, if we're taking her character, her core character, we could perhaps simplify her to Country Bumpkin. Yeah, we could. And however, she's going to have to take a major back seat, and she probably even in just the storylines that we just mentioned, she might not even appear. Yeah, she <laughs> might show up a little bit later before she dies. Just and like maybe she's always been played in the background and then she just gets featured a little bit more mm-hmm. maybe she plays some more key roles in some of the battles so we at least know who she is yeah. and we just think of her as funny country girl that's like a little bit off than everyone else and speaks in a slightly different accent right I think I think when it comes to like doing this kind of adaptation with like specific character traits or like how they're shown like very early on in yeah. the series See, some of them you have to change just because of the fact that it doesn't adapt that well. So, like, take Sasha and let's let's throw in Choji, for example, for people who are obsessed with over yeah. food. Mm. Like, in Choji for Naruto, I think every time you see him, you, you literally have, like, that inner voice kind of, like, thing. And his literally says, I'm so hungry. Almost every, every single time. time they show him. Oh, and it's not until, like... Also, four seasons later. I'm not going to lie, that character, uh, I, that would not work in 2020. Um, mm. Like, that, 
that kind of character trope died a very long time ago. This person who is person who is fat and likes food. Yeah. That only character, only character traits that it, we know it no longer stands in this environment. Mm. Um, so that would have to change for cultural reasons. So, okay, we've kind of established a little bit of how to deal with that. So I guess now moving forward, the next question is going to be how to actually deal with audiences. Mm -hmm. So we have a little bit of a baseline. We know exactly, we know kind of where our story might be depending on how much runtime we have. Mm -hmm. We know a little bit tonally where we want to go and we know how we kind of want to address some more of the hyper anime aspects of the show and of the story. Right. So we have all this stuff. We understand where everything's going. Mm -hmm. How do we present this to our audiences? Because now we're getting into the meta world of... Of like how it's going to be... How it's going to be perceived and also the unfortunate can of worms of westernization. And actually in the case of other um, animes to a default, the inverse, easternization. Well... The easiest way to please anime fans is to not make it. <laughs> because we're, the, we're, that's not allowed. We've been hired. <laughs> the only way we're going to pay our bills is if we make this adaptation. I think. Okay, I like to think of the of the Sonic movie. Okay, in times like these, where they came out with something and the internet was like, "No, it's terrible, <laughs> and we hate it." And then the studio went, "Oh." bet and then went back and fixed it and i think what anime fans really are looking for and the reason why they're so like gung-ho and just like ready to jump down people's throats about making live action anime is because they don't feel represented in okay those stories if you could get a working relationship with anime fans and be like hey listen we get it anime live action anime adaptations they're usually not good we're gonna try to do something new Try to do something original, and we're going to try to make something that's in because video game adaptations. People said the same thing about video game adaptations. Yeah. It can't be done. Why would you try to turn something that you can experience into something that you could just passively, you know, Consume. watch? Yeah. So to say that it's not possible, I don't think it's true. Okay. It's just you, you got to appease the fans. Okay. So let, let, let's go into that. So it, appeasing the fans in this situation. Um, in the case of Americanization versus Westernization, this has always been a problem depending on who's making what. Um, yeah. We have, uh, even though this was considered a good movie at the time, Ghost in the Shell. Now, Ghost in the Shell, they had Scarlett Johansson playing the lead, who is historically, every single character in there is supposed to be Japanese, with like the exception of two. And they're very easy to tell who they are because they are, obvi- because they are obviously not Japanese. Mm-hmm. Um they have Scarlett Johansson playing this character, and unfortunately what they do is that the excuse is that it's an Asian person in her body. However, the body is a white woman who is Scarlett Johansson, so therefore Scarlett Johansson is playing the role. Um, mm. It's not great. If yeah. you've seen Altered Carbon, Altered Carbon does the same thing where someone's body can be put into a new... Um, into a new i'm going to use the altered carbon version and say sleeve which is like if you are which is just an artificial body or a real body but does that but does ghost in the shell t- 
tackle that issue in a way that like kind of goes to the shell it's written that way initially and also in altered carbon um they do a different thing where they flash back to the original person who is in that body and you actually see an asian american actor playing that role Mm. so in the first season of Altered Carbon, what they do is it, it, white guy playing the lead. However, every time you go into a flashback, you are seeing it, you are seeing that Asian actor playing their role. Right. And in the books, it is supposedly I have not read I have not read all of them. It is supposedly a it is supposedly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And part of the deal is that they don't know that person's identity because he's playing because he is that race and because he can be all these different pieces. Right. Um. Then in season two, um, Anthony Mackie plays the lead in same person, just in a different, just in a different. Is it a live action? It is live action. But I'm saying, does Ghost in the Shell do the same thing that that other show does, it where does they not. they tackle like the complexities not in the movie of at all? Okay, that's that is the, the problem. Yeah, um, that's one big thing. Yeah, you need to if the if the character is a, a, of a specific race, you have to cast it appropriately. Yes, because in Attack on Titan, it's very clear that like every single character except for Mikasa is like Germanic. Yes. Mikasa is like canon the only canon the only Asian Asian person. person. Because it's like a big deal because like we're like there used to be in Asia but then it got destroyed. So that's one way to just not piss off fans. We all agree let's just not change the casting. (laughs) So now the next note here is going to be um, how do we even get fans to accept that we are kind of making this? I guess the one of the main ones would be, which which, which is going to sound kind of complicated, to not compare it too close to the animation. Because I feel like, like with us, for example, a lot of us probably grew up watching a lot of animated stuff, cartoons, yeah. anime, whichever. So we're used to, I think. Yeah. So how we've seen anime grow, you know, just in style, and like seeing a live action version of it would take that away and just not give us that same feeling of of growing up watching it i feel like so what this kind of harkens back to a conversation that we had um in one of our previous podcast episodes and just to recap we were originally doing an episode that was just on the movie death note Mm -hmm. we were just talking about that and we kind of came to this consensus by the end that the movie would have been fine if they just didn't name the main character light and yeah, it just if the characters took, wasn't really yeah, yeah like if it wasn't actually light and um i'm forgetting the name me misa misa i have mikasa in my head so it's it's it, it's, it's an name it, yeah um but if you didn't have those characters named for their original characters mm-hmm. and just had it set in the world and like maybe instead of l you have one of the other people from that uh organization that he was in doing the solving yeah it would have it would have been way more palatable. Yeah. It would have been. We would have accepted it way easier than being like, "Why is Light a fucking idiot?" Right. Uh, another way that you could potentially do it is you could uh, hire people that are close to or passionate about the projects that are well known in communities. Um, in Detective Pikachu, they hired a well known character designer who like was draw was drawing 2d animations of what pokemon would look like in real life yeah and so they were like let's just hire this guy so that he can like kind of make the the like what these pokemon would actually be like so that it's a bit more seamless and also it gives it gives the community a sense of 
they're taking this seriously because they're pulling people that that are passionate about the project. Yeah, and you're not going to be able to find that. You're not going to like. Okay, let's say, um, let's say our company, Scope, ABBC, all that, we're suddenly really big and we're given Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. Now, let's say you and I just never covered Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. We would not be able to find people that could reliably do this in our own company as a full shot. No. We would have to go out and actively look in order to make that happen. And I think that's a problem with producers is that they, they're they so used to working in their circles. Yeah. Especially when we're talking about here in, in, in uh, Hollywood. Yeah. It's, it's all about the people that they know and trying to keep their connections. But if they're actually trying to make a good product that services the fans of the property... They need to expand their reach. And I think one of the reasons why Detective Pikachu was so good is because they were they recognized we don't know fucking shit about Pokemon. We, yeah. we need an expert. We, yeah, we need to bring someone else Not in. Not to mention the fact that Pokemon is such a huge franchise. Like, yeah, yeah. That would ruin the studio if they fucked it up. Exactly. Yeah. And th- then that's kind of what, ex- that, on the flip side, that's what happened to Sonic the first time. Um, yeah, because <laughs> with so- and like I know that we have to go back to video game adaptations, but the reason why we're leaning on video game adaptations is because video game adaptations just crossed the barrier. Yeah, they just have the same problem. Yeah, it was it's the same issue of you are translating from one medium to the other. Yeah, and books are easier than movies. Manga and anime, different story. I would Funny actually- enough, comic books yeah. have had an easy time of it. I was going to say manga is, is an easy, it would probably be the easy oh, jump. Yeah. Like actually, straight, like manga, straight from manga to, uh, to, to live action. So, uh, uh, you know what? We actually have an example uh, written right here about it somewhere within our notes. Um, there is Alice in Borderland. Definitely. Mm, yeah. yeah. I did not know that that was originally a manga. You're welcome, man. Thank yeah. you, Jose. That is. I always just looked at like, oh, it looks like it's a good show, mm-hmm. and I've heard nothing but good things. People seem excited about it. Didn't realize where it was from at all. It's because when you, like you just said, when you're starting from a thing that is farther away from the medium you're trying to get to, like live action and animation are, are they're they're too similar because yeah. they well, they both borrow from each other. They're both well, animation they're, they're is bo- is trying to mimic cinema. Yeah. And so when you're just trying to do a manga to a live action, like you said, there's a lot of gaps that you can, you can, that you as an audience can go like, oh, that's not how I would do it, but I get this choice. Yeah. Whereas if you're watching an anime and then going to live action, you're like, that's not how it was when I saw it and it was done better there. So like, why would I enjoy it? Yeah, so that and th- that goes into the problem of like a lot of people when Cowboy Bebop were even made was like, why the fuck even make this? Yeah. Because ca- the original Cowboy Bebop is arguably perfect. Mm-hmm. So there's really no point in like bringing another version of it that has less to offer because of its medium. Yeah. Um, I think if there's one to go about it, I'm not sure like too, how too like, accurate it is. But um, if we want to continue like the conversation with like shows that are anime-esque that got a live action somewhat adaptation uh teen titans there you go because the titan show that's on uh, hbo max is uh they've had a lot of like back and forth i think with the community and like the community probably still kind of iffy about it yeah but um with some of the characters i think mostly with uh nightwing and robin and maybe red hood it's just been like kind of uh given a bit of a benefit yeah. of doubt mm-hmm. and that is that's a show that uh <laughs> 
I have not seen it. I saw it, the trailers it, for it, but... It felt like it should have died early because of how much backlash it had, and I feel like it just stayed in existence through pure network and producer will. Yeah, I heard, yeah. The, I heard that the, just the trailers were bad. Yeah, I think... Because the, the, the fuck Batman line. There's also... Yeah. Yeah, there's that. There's also just bad, um, really bad costume choices. That were made for a lot of yeah. The uh, costume choices definitely got better throughout the season. I, I think I've heard that they've right largely now, yeah, improved, much improved. Yeah, but okay. when it first launched, it was kind of trash, and that goes into the issue of, I mean, that's also the issue that comic book movies have had. Period is costuming costumes. Yeah, because you have and to. We've make, only just gotten past it as well. Because you have to make it simultaneously not a costume, like something that looks real. Yeah, and actually, speaking of Attack on Titan, the the uniforms that are shown in the beginning of the movie that the garrison use, yeah, like the like they the look tan, good because like I look at that and I go, that's probably what someone in the military in this time period would wear. Yeah, and I but on the flip side, something like let me let me go to an example of like let me see this uh, Full Metal Alchemist. Too. Oh yes, in Full Metal Alchemist. The blonde hair and the red jacket. It looks like trash. It's so bad. It Because it's, it's obviously it's like a straw wig, first yeah. of all. And then it's like, why would you wear it? It's red pleather. Yeah. Like, uh, they, no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't even pleather. No, it was, it was like, like a, cotton. It was like, a, like a, a cotton thing. It just doesn't look like it's functional, nor does it look like it's comfortable. It doesn't look sleek. Yeah. Which the original, honestly, if it was leather... It, leather would kind of slap yeah. in that. Also, like I should preface, we're not costume designers here. This is totally from the armchair. Yeah, it's, but it is very acknowledged to be a problem whenever you're taking anything from a more artistic medium to live action. Yeah, I mean, I've heard like in so many behind the scenes of like countless movies where people are like, we had to get this kind of fabric to get this kind of look, and like they kind of have to Frankenstein materials and pieces just to try and make something look believable and accurate to the source material. Yeah. Which is not an easy thing to do. It's I, I, I cannot stress that enough. I'm not saying that we could do a better job. Oh, no, 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 no. We're but, not here to say that we can do a better yeah. job. We're here to even decide if this is even a good idea. Yeah. But, like, sometimes people try so hard to be comic accurate, or not comic accurate, uh, like, source material accurate, like Ed from, from, from Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. I'm like, that doesn't look like something that a person would wear. It doesn't look like a person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Uh, um, yeah, th- that's kind of the th- that's kind of the problem there. So the other question here is like, okay, so we're, we're we're kind of establishing how to make it a little bit more digestible. So we agree that fans should be involved to some degree. So now the other question is, fans are always extremely quick to jump on the it can't be done or the only fans can make it a good thing. And it, there's a lot of examples of fans trying to make short films mm-hmm. that like it, they're short, they're fan films is yeah. kind of what it ends up being. Mm-hmm. And there is a lot of hype for, there's a lot of hype for these different projects and some are better than others. However, a big question that we have to ask ourselves is, are we more willing to accept this because of the problem of Canon of it, do we actually have to accept this art, this piece of art that was made because it was made by a fan? So, like, if it's made by a fan, I'm much more likely to accept it because I'm like, okay, they probably had no budget going into this, mm-hmm. and it was done completely out of passion. So I'm going to accept it. However, when it's a big studio, we all feel like we're entitled to 
it being perfect. I don't think that that discounts the criticism of live action anime movies, though, because even though like, yes, a fan made project is going to be better received just because it's made with zero budget and we're more likely to notice the flaws of a big budget movie because it has more money at it. Yeah. But on that same on that in that same breath, because they have so much money, you would think that they would be able to create a more, I guess, a better product. Yeah, that's kind of the the thing where I'm like, I can understand, you know, we, I can being understand biased. The, yeah, but at the same time, sometimes there's just no excuse. I mean, Dragon Ball Evolution. Like, are we, we gonna haven't even fully talked about that like, one yet? Like, and we've just been talking about the ones that were okay to mid. Yeah. Like, we have not even gotten into the atrocious anime adaptations, and there are a lot, and most of them are done for money. Like, they're not done because people respect animation or because they like the properties or because, you know, they're fans. It's done because it's a property that is popular and the studio wants to make money. And they will do it whether or not they are faithful to the material. Okay, we have a roadmap of how long we want this to be, sort of. We have the, we have what elements we're keeping, what elements we're taking away. Do we think that this is even remotely a guaranteed good product? Are we talking about Attack on Titan specifically? We're talking about Attack on Titan specifically, but no. also feel free to take it to other things. Attack on Titan specifically? No. I think that similarly to Last Airbender, there are so many things and there's so much to cover in such a short amount of time that, you you, you know, it's like, the it's more the episodic format than, than the medium yeah. itself. If we're talking about another anime that lends itself to a movie format, I'm sure that it can be done. So, hmm. I guess, and this is an interesting one to mention because there have been movies made of it just animated. Mm -hmm. Berserk, as an example. Because Berserk is actually extremely grounded. Yeah. And you could kind of get away with a Game of Thrones HBO styled uh, either miniseries or movies just for some of the individual arcs. I could see that. So if we're talking about the groundedness, and I think Attack on Titan, it, phenomenal piece of media. If you were to do movies, you would have to do only sort of three-hour blocks in order to even give it the time that it needs. And then, of course, that's its own barrier to entry. The other issue that's going to arrive with Attack on Titan is going to be, would it be better? And this would be so derivative, though. Mm if you were to do it as an HBO-styled television series like Game of Thrones. So if we were keeping the episodic format... If we were keeping the episodic format, then. Just perhaps instead we take the 20-something episodes in season one and smush them into ten. I think it could be done. Interesting. Yeah. No, so yeah, Attack on Titan? Yeah. yeah, yeah I, think so I think it would be possible. Yeah, so we're arriving that Attack on Titan might be able to work in live action, just not in a movie format. Yeah, and again, all of the movies that, and all of the shows that we've talked about, like, I know it could work. Yeah. If you, like, if you had, but it requires raw, extreme talent. Yeah. That's where we're kind of going. It kind of, it requires you to know what to cut and what is, what is important and necessary for the story to continue, and what is something that you can just kind of axe. 
and it wouldn't change the story significantly. So then this kind of leads into the final question of the day and the real question of this podcast. Do we think that this can be done? And do we think that it's even worth doing? Ooh, I'm going to let you take this one first. Boyce would. <laughs> I think the I think it definitely can be done, but as far as like whether it should or not should it be, it has to I think it depends on the way you're going about it. Yeah. So like we've talked about uh Death Note and I forgot what the other one was that like they're like stories the story's based on it but it also feels like an entire different story. Yeah. I think going about it as a different story with tie-ins to the source material would make it work. So then I guess the question is why why bring these to live action? Why retell these stories? Probably just another uh, money. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously money. Yeah. What's that? That's number one, obviously. But I think it's to give either another medium for people to see it or to reach out to another audience. Cause you know, because we know that there's a lot of people that won't even dare touch, touch any kind of animation at all. Yeah. Even if it's a short 10 second video, they won't yeah. touch it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably where this comes in to, to play the most. Okay. So no matter what, we are trying to bridge an audience here. And arguably that could actually be said about one of the biggest types of adaptations, period, which is books to movies. Yeah. Because as a dyslexic person, I can't read your books. Mm-hmm. It's not like it. they're not a medium that is friendly to every single person. So with that in mind, if we're now taking it to if we're now taking that to live action Granted, I do think that there is there are some other problems with people that won't touch live at that won't touch animation in the first spot. But this might be a good way to get people to acknowledge that animation is an art form capable of great storytelling. Yeah, I can agree on that. Yep. And I think the same thing has kind of happened with uh, video game adaptations, kind of with The Witcher, even though The Witcher is originally a book. Yeah. Um. So Abraham, I'm g- going to pick your brain on this as well. I, I guess. If it, the two questions were, if it could be... If it can be done and should why, it. and should it? Okay. And- yeah. Sh- could it and should it? So could it? Yeah. I think like video games uh, and video game adaptations, as we've seen in the past, there is going to be a lot of work, but it's absolutely possible. It's not easy to translate certain stories and uh plot conventions and tropes but it can be done as far as if it should and i guess to counter jose's point my problem with people who don't like enjoy animation is that i don't know i just i feel like they confuse the medium for the story and it's and or the types of stories that are usually told through the medium most people think that animation is for children because most children's content is animated um but i feel like in order for people and this is the same argument with uh with other films that have come like foreign films yeah it it requires people in america to kind of get over themselves and just accept that there are more ways of telling stories than the ones that you're used to i want to need you to clip all that he's just said right now (laughs) why why the american part yeah, get over themselves. Americans, yeah. Yeah, Americans got to get over it. They really, we really feel as though like everything is supposed to be catered to us, and if it's not in a certain way, then we won't watch it. Yeah. That's how most people view media in general. Yeah, and the reason why animation is not as popular and why it's so 
why it's so disrespected, not just the medium itself, but the people who work on it, is because people just aren't exposed to it. And I think that live-action anime adaptations are one of the reasons why that is the case. Because there is an escape. Because there's a plan B. If you don't like this, if you don't like Attack on Titan, the anime, eh, you can just watch the live-action. If you don't like JoJo's, eh, just watch the live-action. I don't think that that's a healthy way to consume media. And honestly, I feel like just repurposing the story but for live action is disrespectful to the original art. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, There's the fucking rub, isn't it? Because I'm like, because it, it'd be the same thing if you were like, I don't like reading, so I'm not going to read the book. And then you're like, oh, yeah, you can just watch the movie. Well, the movie's shit. The movie, yeah. And... Yes, there are. I can understand, like, for you as a person with dyslexia, yeah. I can understand why you might want to, like, do one yeah, or the other. And I, but the, the difference here is that what I'm citing there is a disability. Yeah. And it's also a completely different experience. Yeah. Having something play out in front of you as, like, it's like a, it's like, it's like a, the difference between a script and a play. Yeah. Th- that's the difference between a book and a movie. Whereas, an animation to live action is is like they're right. They live right next yeah. door. It's like I actually don't like the way you did that. Let me do it instead. You guys both make good points, though. I remember I'm gonna I'm gonna cite our friend Kenny on the channel, who's one of our editors. Um, he brought up that when the original Cowboy Bebop, uh, when the live action was coming out, like he was actually rather excited for it because it's like, oh, here's this th- here's this art form that I enjoy, mm-hmm. but my folks are like very hesitant to enjoy any animation then just be like well this is good mm-hmm. this is a J- this is and it, this was based off of an animation you should check out the animation yeah so i do on the flip side i understand the point of kind of wanting to make it as sort of like i'm gonna just call it a gateway drug tip for anime i like, do get that as well yeah i like i i kind of get that point but there's also that is very selfish selfish of me as a fan to want to potentially put an entire property in jeopardy, make this really expensive thing just to maybe, maybe convince a couple people who are extremely close-minded that this art form is actually something worth looking at. Mm -hmm. So while I understand it, I ultimately think Abraham, you're kind of right. If, if that was the purpose for which live action animes were made, I think I'd might I think I'd be for it more, but oftentimes it's it's not it's, just, well, it's Dragon Ball Evolution, yeah. it money it um, yeah. and like it's Ghost in the Shell. The only reason why we're even talking about it is because we're making this podcast. Everyone forgot that that movie happened. Yep. Well, if that is the case, thank you all so much for tuning in on this uh, rather lengthy discussion. I'd I'd imagine this is going to be chopped up a little bit. A little. Uh, but, a little. Yeah, just a little. Just a little. Just bit. a little bit. But yeah, welcome, welcome back. We are back in the return of the movie, and next week we are going to be well, not next week. In about two weeks, we're going to be jumping into the world of Dungeons and Dragons and how that has become popularized in Ooh. new media and Western culture. Cannot wait. That is that's going to be a fun one. I'm actually very excited for that. Nice. And uh, with that, we will see you all then. Bye. Bye. Hello, if you liked that, please come by and check out our Attack on Titan coverage on the channel. That's for our show, Too Fast, Too Movie. We've done the whole thing. Also, if you want more anime adaptation coverage, well, we got a little video waiting for you about Death Note. 
There's another episode of this podcast, actually. You find it in the feed. Or in this corner. Bye-bye.